Good morning. Hey, so glad whether you're online or in person with us that you're a part of Pathway today and just experiencing God's presence in worship and uh, getting into his word. Amen? Uh, it's a great season around here. Lots of good stuff happening. I mean, the light is on, which means that at least one received Christ. Last I knew, we have 15 people signed up for baptism next weekend, which is exciting. And uh, in addition, we are... Uh, in the family of God, one, with a ministry that the church started years ago called Master's Academy. And I got to tell you, I'm so excited about what's happening with, with our school here. Uh, their enrollment is up 50 students as of last Tuesday from a year ago. And in addition to that, there's a new partnership with a Votex school that's an additional 20 to 30 students. So God is doing something really, really incredible around here. And we're excited uh, to be a part of it. Uh, in addition to that, I also want to just take a pastoral moment and minute, if I can, to say we know that it has been a tough four to six weeks here in this area. Can I get an amen? amen. Like, sometimes you just got to, like, acknowledge, like, yeah, we're getting through it, but man, it's been hard, right? Uh, COVID has risen again, and, and it's causing all kinds of complications. We know people uh, that are struggling have been hospitalized, and so... I want to just take a moment and pray over that. I want to pray over the schools, not just Master, uh, Master's Academy, but also, you know, we're, we're looking at how we can work with IRS schools and, and adopting one of our local schools as an outreach soon. And uh, so I want to lift up the schools as well and uh, then just pray us into the word today. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for your, uh, just who you are, God, that we can come to you with anything that you are there when we're down, you're there when we're up, you are constant, and you are the one true, uh, never-changing, everlasting God, and we just give you all the glory. We thank you that in the face of uh, the just rise of illnesses, even hospitalizations, and uh, those that are still struggling today, we know that, God, you are a healer. Uh, so bring healing. Uh, we pray for doctors and nurses to be your hands and feet, uh, literally the agents of your kingdom. And for all of us that are still figuring out what does life look like with this uh, illness around us, give us wisdom and discernment. Help us to love you and love our neighbor well. And at the same time, give each other the freedom to follow our own convictions. Uh, we pray against division as people make those decisions. And we thank you, God, for bringing healing. Lord, we lift up the schools, and we just ask that this year would be a breakthrough year. We know that, Father, there have been things in government that have opened the door for moments of silence, which really are an opportunity to usher prayer back into the schools. And so, God, we pray that, that your people, the lights that are within the administration, the teachers in any school uh, throughout Florida, but particularly in, here in Indian River County, that, God, you would shine those lights brightly. Be with our teachers. Uh, we pray for students to find and follow you in new ways. Bring even revival in the next generation. Uh, God, we thank you for what you want to do. And Father, as we know we are one with you and with one another today, as we get into your word, we pray that you would speak, your spirit would have its way. May our ears, our eyes, our minds, our hearts just be open to you. And may you find a people that say yes and amen to what you show us. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen, amen and amen. 
So we are in uh, Ephesians, and uh, today we're finishing chapter 5, and as we do that, the, the title is Family Dynamics. Uh, we're going to be looking at some family dynamics that have to do with our families at home, and then also our church family. And the way Paul does this, you'll see in a minute, is to set up in many ways what love does. I, I want to ask you that question. Think about that for a minute. What does love do, Right? Love is something that takes action. Biblically, we learn that love is sacrificial. It lays its life down. It's gentle and kind. It's patient. Love is not just an idea or a thought. It's an action that is seeking the better of another. That, that in fact, that's what love does. And throughout this text, you're going to hear Paul saying, listen, here's what love does in a healthy family. And our hope and our heart is that we see healthy family at home and in the church. Amen? And so I'm going to ask as we read this, uh, we believe that this is not just another piece of literature. It's not just another book. This is the authoritative, inspired word of God. And so we're gonna, I'm going to read the entire text. And I'm going to ask that you stand today for the reading of the word as we honor God's word and as we hear from Ephesians 5, we're going to start in verse 21, and we're going to go through verse 33. So you're going to be standing for a minute if you're able, if you're at home, or if you're driving a car, do not do that. <laughs> Paul says in Ephesians 5, verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and his himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with his word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. May God bless the reading of the word. You may be seated. All right, heat check. I just read one of those passages in scripture that has a tendency to create tension and turn up the temperature. Anybody? Can we just acknowledge that for a minute? That this is a text that at face value, without really understanding the big picture and the nuances, just makes you a little uncomfortable. In fact, I want to ask that, that if you're here with your spouse or significant other, whatever that looks like, don't elbow them during this message. Okay? I need you to listen to God's word and, and what the Lord is showing you today. Conversations about what this means for us together will, will come but we can't rush the process because what we hear here is Paul laying out some things that are going to help the church be healthy, healthy family dynamics, and help homes be healthy. 
And, and that is something that we have to recognize in this passage. Not only does Paul do this, but in, if you go into chapter 6, which we will the rest of the uh, month of August, he, he then speaks to children. He speaks to slaves, which we're going to translate as employees and workplace dynamics. And then he says, hey, in all of that, as you learn how to function and submit and, and love one another, hey, there's going to be some spiritual warfare. And you're going to have to put on the full armor of God because there is an enemy that doesn't want you all to figure this out. So whatever you're feeling right now, it's okay. We're going to get through this together. Amen? And I believe God's going to bring some freedom and some new understanding to this text today. So stay with me as we dive into this. First point I want to make is that spirit-filled believers mutually submit in a healthy family. Spirit-filled believers mutually submit to one another in a healthy family. Let me show you where I pulled this from because it's right there in the text. Verse 21 said, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. If we back up to verse 18, notice that Paul said, because again, we have to take scripture in its whole, in context. We can't just pull out verses in moments. We got to make sure we see the connections. Verse 18 says this, and do not get drunk with wine. So the issue isn't alcohol per se, but drunkenness because it takes control. So, so what he says is don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And, and when we're filled with the Spirit, we're going to be able to mutually submit to one another. This applies in the body of Christ, is what Paul is saying, in the family. Meaning, male and female, brothers and sisters in a healthy church, we're going to submit to one another as the Lord leads. Y'all, if you're new, I get really awkward up here. Because I, I, I believe like talk back church, participation, it's all good. And I just want to make sure you're still here. You took the time, most of you it looks like, to take a shower today and to come to church. So you might as well get the most out of it that you can. Okay? So it means that we're mutually submitting. And it is hard, right? And, and that's why like our flesh isn't going to want to do this. We as Americans do not like authority. We don't like the idea of submitting to authority. Let alone believers, right? But what Paul's getting at is, listen, if you're filled with the Spirit, one of the things that will lead to is the ability to submit to one another. And we'll see that that means there's a responsibility for those in those leadership roles to lead in a Christ-like, Spirit-filled way as well. This is not about domineering and dominating. And, and I need to be clear, this text today, in particular when we get to wives submit to husbands, it has been used historically to cause abuses and atrocities towards women that we need to, to recognize and be honest about. And at the same time say, today we're redeeming that. We're redeeming it and showing the way that God intended it, I believe, scripturally. We can't do this, though, without being filled with the Spirit. Francis Folks, who is a uh, Bible scholar, says this about what Paul is saying here in this text. 
He knew from experience that the secret of maintaining joyful fellowship in the community was the order and discipline that comes from the willing submission of one person to another. Pride of position and the authoritarian spirit are destructive of fellowship. Can I get an amen? Amen. The importance to Paul, who is the writer of this text, of the whole concept of submission is evident from the use of the word more than 20 times in his letters. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, roughly. He uses the word submission 20 times throughout those letters. There must be a willingness in Christian fellowship in his church to serve any, to learn from any, to be corrected by any, regardless of age, sex, class, or any other division. Woo, church. We've been getting some things wrong. I think God wants to help us get this right today. To be filled with the Spirit means we're willing to submit to one another. And what does that mean in my role? I'm the lead pastor of Pathway. Nine months ago yesterday, I showed up in town. And God's been showing up. He's given birth to something new. Like we prayed for all things new and we're seeing God move. Amen? But in that, what does that mean? That, yeah, I'm in the lead role, but that also means that I have to be in submission where God needs me to be with others, with brothers and sisters that can speak into my life. And I just want you to know, like, I'm approachable. You can come to me with stuff. People here have already done it. You are not shy, church. You've come to me with questions and rebukes and other things, and I want you to know, like, we're in this together. I've told people, you don't want my role. You think you do. But without God's grace, without a sense of of his spirit with you, mm -mm. you want the role God has called you to be in, because that's where his grace shows up. And so we're able to do this because of him. Now, this really stood out to me in, in studying and preparing for this. It, 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 the reality is that we serve a Trinitarian God, Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who is in community, three in one, and also is in submission within the Trinity. God the Father is the head. He sent Jesus, who did the Father's will, who then sends the Spirit who also then shows us how to live. Let me just show you a passage where this becomes really apparent. In Matthew chapter 3, you could turn there. Uh, today's going to be a lot of teaching, so I'm going I'm to keep us moving. But in Matthew chapter 3, if you're following along, it says, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. So God the Father has sent the son, now sends the spirit. They're in, they're three in one, and there's submission happening because Jesus is sinless, but is baptized in that moment as an example of obedience to the Father and to us of what we're to do. See, if you believe in Jesus Christ, it isn't a question of whether you should be baptized, it's a question of when. Scripture teaches us, repent and be baptized. And so if you haven't been baptized as a confessing believer yet, sign up today, like next weekend, whether it's Saturday at the ocean or Sunday here at church, we would love to walk you through that. 
and to help you see that if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us, right? And so baptism in this moment symbolizes a submission to the Father, that our old life, our old, we're in control and calling the shots is over. As we come up out of the water, we are following Jesus and declaring that to anyone that'll listen. Amen? And so the second thing, when we think about what this means, is clear roles. When we think about a family, a church family or a home, clear roles and responsibilities actually bring order to any family chaos. So your family likely has some dysfunction. Oh, pastor. Right? Your family likely has some dysfunction, maybe not in your immediate home, but maybe it's in the family tree. Anybody? Anybody? You know, ours is pretty jacked up, okay? And then somewhere in there you find Jesus and he starts cleaning up the mess, right? And in that, clear roles and responsibilities help in a significant way. We can't expect that in a world that is fallen, that has an enemy that's stirring and creating chaos constantly, that there wouldn't be a moment where God says, I'm going to bring peace and order into the chaos. Families need this. Our church family needs this. Organizationally, if you lead a business, roles and responsibilities will bring clarity to your organization. To our homes, this is what Paul is getting at here, is here's what the roles and responsibilities primarily look, look like. So let's, let's go further with this and take a look. Because as we look at the roles and responsibilities, we need to be reminded that we're all created equal in God's image. We're all created equal but not identical. Isn't that beautiful? There are differences by God, who is this amazing creator and artist, right? There's differences in how he's made us. My wife is an identical twin, by the way. So if you're ever in Vera and you see her holding another man's hand, because my twin sister-in-law is in town visiting, just check first before you start the rumor mill, okay? <laughs> Literally, this happened up in Michigan to us more times than I'd like to admit, Okay? It gets awkward. So she's an identical twin, but they're still different, okay? There still is a difference in them and who they are because that's who God is. He's, he imprints his image on us, and we're equal, but we also are blessed by the differences. Galatians 3, 27 and 28 says this, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So within this equality that God has designed, there's also delegated responsibility in leadership. And responsibility in leadership really becomes a stewardship of what are you doing with the life God has given you? Are you in alignment with God's way of doing things? 1 Corinthians 11 verse 3 says this, but I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. Men, maybe you got excited when you heard wives submit. But y'all need to wake up. I need to wake up. Because this doesn't work unless we're submitted to Christ. He's the head of every man, it says. The head of every wife is her husband and the head of Christ is God. This is the divine order that God puts in place. So let's, let's go further in and see what this means because 
Again, this has been abused historically. This headship is the power to care and to nourish and to cherish, not to crush. Let me repeat that. This is to care and to cherish, not to crush. That's the way Jesus loves and takes care of us. J.H. Yoder, another Bible scholar, says, there's no difference in worth, but in the family for its order and its unity, there must be leadership. And the responsibility, and I would just put in parentheses here, ultimate, where the buck stops kind of leadership, is that of the husband and father. So let's look at it. Verse 22 and 24. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now as the church, again, as we mutually submit to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. If you're taking note here, the clear role is wives submit. But there's something I need to add here. It's a self-sacrificing for the good of us. And I'm going to just give you a spoiler. I'm going to get ahead. Husbands, in parentheses, it's going to say the same thing to you. Come on, y'all, lighten up. Okay, you got to help me turn the temp down for a minute. This guy's going to start sweating and it's going to get awkward. You know, I'm getting used to that August heat here in Florida. All right, Don't, don't add to it. But seriously, there there is in this this reality that that there is a self-sacrificing for the good of us. That that when you, as a wife, submit to the leadership, the headship in the home of your husband, you're doing that because you care about the order and the alignment, the blessing that God has for your home. Context has to be so important here to understand. You see, in this day and age, Jesus and Paul were lifting. What does love do? Love lifts. They were lifting females, women, to another place that wasn't present in society. Jesus' ministry and Paul's often were creating new opportunities for people to see women in that day and age, 2,000 years ago, not as property, not as somebody who's partnered to do the, like almost like an employee, like you take care of the house while I go out. I mean, you got to understand there was adulterous relationships everywhere in Jewish, Greek, Roman culture in that day and age. And the, the city of Ephesus, my goodness, I've told you this the last few weeks, they, they had a, print, a, a temple to the princess Diana, fertility goddess, seventh wonder of the world, this incredible place where people would come and worship and they were worshiping her and falling into sexual activity that was idolatrous. What Paul is doing is redeeming all of that and saying, listen, you're no longer to see your wife as anything but a partner and somebody that you're to love and cherish. So here's what I've learned over the years. I've been married almost 20 years now. If I lead like Christ, it's easy for my wife to submit to that. And in our first year of marriage, we had the conversation about submission more times than we should have. (laughs) Come on, right? I was 22. I would read my Bible and go, right? And think like that wins the argument. 
sorry, like, men, don't go home and do that. It won't work. Don't be ridiculous like I was. But I'll tell you what began. So, so Cindy, we're, we're sitting there last weekend uh, by the ocean. It was Sunday afternoon and just sitting by the ocean, like in our little chairs and the kids are playing and, you know, we're talking about this text, right? We're talking about this coming Sunday. And, and when we met, I was 22 and, and had grown up in a Christian home. She's a, a few years older than me, her story to tell, but, but she did not grow up necessarily in a Christian home. She had never dated a Christian man. And so when we met, she had fully surrendered to Jesus and she was just on fire for the Lord. And I was so just amazed but when she, and, and I loved what she did during that time period, even before she met me, she knew she needed to learn all she could. So she was going to marriage conferences as a single woman to just learn, to grow, to hear what God, God's word said. And, and so by the time we get married, she had begun to hear and understand that, that this word submission seemed to have something to do with marriages. And you can imagine, like, she's like, no, mm-mm. I've seen what that leads to. I can't follow that kind of man or leader. And so our first year was, there was a lot of turmoil. And then somewhere in there, she heard somebody say that, that you have to understand, wives, that, that this isn't for you to be a doormat. And men, that is not what this is about. That, that in fact, it's a doorway to blessing. To, to receiving all that God has. It opens doorways and pathways within the relationship that leads to blessing. Think of it as a doormat, not as a doormat, but a doorway. That was the shift for Cindy. And I gotta tell you, I don't remember much in the last, many conversations in the last 19 years where we had to talk about submission. Because at the end of the day, what's happening is we're in this together. You're leveraging your strengths and your gifts. I'm leveraging mine. We're doing the best we can for us. And when a moment comes that you have to make a decision, that, that, that hierarchy kicks in just long enough to say, well, we don't agree, but this is where we need to go. This is the step. And then we're right back where we need to be. Does this make sense? And so as you think about this, it's not easy, and that's about all I can tell you, because I'm not a wife that's being called to do this. My wife isn't up here. She's got a story to tell. She wanted you to hear that little bit, and then women, I just want to encourage you, God's doing something with this new women's ministry here. And you need to lean in and be a part of it. Because God wants to do something in this season in all of our lives. And none, none of us would say this is super easy, but together with God and with each other, we can figure it out. You could sign up for the women's brunch coming up. If you haven't done that yet, this is the launching point into a women's ministry that I believe is going to help bring freedom, help bring new clarity on your identity and how we do these things together. So excited by what is happening. We had over 130 women in June attend the brunch. Praise God. This, this one as of yesterday for August has 120 signups and you all know you're last minute people. So we know that number's gonna go up. It's gonna be in this room and uh, I wanna encourage you to sign up today and to be a part of it. God's doing something, amen? 
So wives, submit to your husbands. Now, what kind of leader are you submitting to? Let's look at this because it's very, very important. And men, I actually believe, and and for years have taught this text in a way that I think what God calls us to do is even more difficult. And we can't do it without Jesus' help. So let me read this to you. Again, verse 25 through 30. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. So what's the role given to husbands? It's to love. And as I told you, that means a self-sacrificing for the good of us. It's a love like Christ had that is willing to sacrifice our agenda for what's best for the marriage, the home, the kids, whatever God is showing us. That that we're willing to lead and love like Jesus, who laid it all down, who even suffered, who didn't make it about himself, who allowed God's agenda and plan to lead the way and to play out. And husbands, we've got to recognize, or men thinking about becoming husbands, that this is a role we have to step into boldly and courageously with God's help. There is a calling on our lives to, to steward what he has given us, and to cherish. And I'll I'll be honest with you, over the last few years, the area God has convicted me of the most has been that I loved my wife, but I didn't necessarily cherish her, which was a part of my vows. Many of us, traditional vows, we vow to love and cherish, right? Till death do us part. I don't know about you, but like love kind of makes sense. But to think about cherishing That's taken some real work between me and the Lord to figure it out. And I'm still in that. Cindy would tell you, I'm better than I was, but I'm still not there. Too honest? I don't know. What's happening? Okay. It's not easy, but it's us giving up the idea that it's about us. It's about Jesus, his plan and his will, loving and cherishing our wife. It's a responsibility. Dr. Tony Evans says this, many men have cut off the blessing of God from your family because you are refusing to submit to the will of God related to your headship. Many women in here have cut off the blessing of God to your family because of your refusal to legitimately submit to your husbands. You can literally cut what God has already set up. You see, it's speaking to both of us today. What's our role in that? Are we easy to lead, wives? Men, are we leading like Jesus, loving and cherishing? You know, sometimes we don't know how to do this, do we? Sometimes we, we, we don't know how. And, and here's the thing, we could hear a text like this, and it could cause us men to bow up a little bit, right? Like you've already, some of you are already thinking and plotting what you're going to say at lunch or in the car ride home. And I'm telling you, shut your mouth, don't do it. It's not time. It's not time. You see, we're not meant to bow up. This text should cause us to humble up, to actually be in a posture that says, without Jesus' help, 
I can't lead and love and sacrifice and serve my wife and my family and my kids. I'm dependent on him. Because Jesus wants to use us to lift up those in our home and lift up those in his church family. And as I said, we don't always know how to do this because many of us haven't had good role models. I'm blessed. I grew up with a father who made a decision that he would be a first-generation Christian father. I found out in my 20s that many nights he would actually, either in anger or lament or grief, just break down after he tucked me and my brother in because he didn't know what he was doing. And he was just saying, God, I'm helpless. I don't know how to do this. I've never had. He didn't even know his biological earthly dad. Here's what I saw my dad model, though. He got into churches and places where there were other godly men, and he learned from them. He learned from the word, he learned from Jesus, and he learned from other godly men. So men, this is our moment to step up. I want to put a registration in front of you and, and just tell you, we're launching a men's ministry here at Pathway. <clears throat> a couple of our board members are involved with it. One of them, in fact, Dave Brown came to us a few months ago and he said, I feel like God is laying this on our heart. Men, I want to encourage you right now to register. Super simple. Go to pathwayvb.com slash men. It's spelled M-E-N. Register today, okay? Because as we get this moving this fall, we need to sharpen one another. We want to be the kind of men and leaders God has called us to be, amen? Okay, the last three verses. Verse 31. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. This is actually quoting Genesis chapter 2, verse 23 through 24. Paul says, this mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. He's saying the picture of the husband leading the wife is like Christ, the head of the church, leading his bride, the church. He goes on in verse 33, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. The last point I want to make today is Jesus is the head of the church and has designed us to be one with him and one with one another. That actually what we see here is a picture in marriage of what Christ intends for his church. Why do you think marriage is so difficult? Oh, yours is perfect? Why do you think there's such a war around marriage and the family? Why do you think in the very next chapter, the next section of the letter, Paul says, hey, there's going to be warfare. It's because Christ designed the home and marriage to represent what the church is also supposed to be like. There is a war against the home and a war against marriages and against the church because this is God's design to show the world what unity really looks like. And if we can figure this out together, there is a church that's trying to figure out unity in the face of division, and it ain't going to work until they get in alignment with God's word, until they get in alignment with what it means that he brings us together in these ways. 
So Jesus is the head. Jesus is the one we look to. Jesus was incredible in how he lived and led. Did you know he even prayed for us? That, that, that Jesus actually in John 17, you know, it's interesting, in John 18, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he actually prays, sweats droplets of blood, which physiologically is possible. As scripture tells us in that moment of laying down his will and submitting to the Father, not my will, but yours, that, that in the garden, in that pressing place, just prior to that, Jesus actually had prayed for you and I that we would be one, that we would be unified. Let me read it to you in verse 20 through 23 of John 17. He prayed that his church would be one. He says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. The heart of Jesus for our church family and for your home and your family is to bring the kind of alignment and unity to his authority that brings blessing, that brings oneness, that brings a unity that you and I desperately want, but often it's our flesh that's fighting it. And this is why when we come together, God's word is often there to instruct, to teach, rebuke, correct, so that the man of God, 2 Timothy says, is thoroughly equipped. So we're being thoroughly equipped today to live something that can help us get healthy, that can help us become all that God wants us to be. Today is also by design, a day that we're receiving communion. If you didn't receive your elements as you came in, you can get your hand up and our ushers will bring it around. As we receive communion, this table and chairs is up here for a reason today. You know, it's actually, this is just a side note, just for those of you that have kids, you know, it's interesting, but they found in studies that actually having dinner together often prevents addiction. You can look it up. Part of why I believe that is, is because when we come together at the table, when we sit together and, and break bread, it's at that table that we have connection that we're hearing each other's hearts, that we're connected, and you and I were designed to be connected to one another and also to be connected to the Lord. When we receive communion, Jesus actually sat with his disciples shortly before his death, and he instituted what we celebrate and receive as the Lord's Supper. 
Communion is a moment where when we come to the table, we're reminded that Jesus' body was broken for us. Now his body wasn't, his bones weren't literally broken, but his flesh was broken and torn. He was beaten within an inch of his life. When we think about Jesus' leadership, there was no fear. He was courageous and bold in following sacrificially for us what the Father had designed. We come to Jesus to receive his body and then we have the juice which symbolizes his blood. A blood that was different than yours and I's. Yes, he was fully human, but he was fully God and he was sinless. So his blood is the atonement, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. That when we receive communion, we're repenting of our sins. We're saying, Jesus, forgive me. You are Lord. Forgive me of my sins. And we know that scripture teaches, 1 John 1, 9 would be one place, that when we come and we ask for forgiveness, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins. We're coming to the table today, the communion table, to say, Jesus, you're the head. You're the center. Some of us need to recenter. Some of us may look and go, I'm not a believer. Today's your day. Jesus is waiting. His arms are wide open. Scripture teaches us if we confess with our mouth and believe with our heart, we will be saved. Our prayer and hope would be that you receive Jesus today. And that as you receive his body that was broken and his blood that was shed, that you sense him just washing over you. Jesus is the head of the table. In the home, he said that Jesus is the head of the husband. So as we think about what this means today, God's inviting us to a table that applies in our homes as well. How are we going to say yes to Jesus? I believe he's also giving us the gift and the reminder today that maybe you don't have a family at home. Maybe you're not married or maybe you're a widow or widower. God's still saying, hey, when you receive communion today, You've got a family all around you. Look to your left and right. That the family of God, you see, often we can receive communion as me and Jesus, but it's me and we with Jesus. It's a gift, isn't it? To be in the family of God. So I'm going to pray over communion. And then we're going to sing together. We're going to worship together. We're going to receive communion together. The benches will be open for prayer. You're invited to come forward and respond. Before I pray, I just want to ask you three quick questions. If you've been around here, you know I like to ask these next step questions. First is, are you submitted to Jesus as your Lord? That's where it all begins. Second is, are you submitting to others? as God commands. 
to your other brothers and sisters in the church, but then in the home, are you submitting in the way God commands? And then third, are you loving others as God commands? Let that lead us into this moment of reflection and renewal through communion. Father, we come to you humbly right now, and we thank you for this moment and this time to receive communion. Jesus, we thank you that your table is open to all that confess and believe in you as Lord. And scripture teaches us that when we receive communion, we're to examine ourselves, to ask for forgiveness, to receive your grace. So we confess that we're sinners and Jesus, we desperately need you. Teach us to, to submit to you and to one another. Teach us to lead and love like you do. Father, we thank you that you're leading us to become healthy in our homes and in our church. And that Jesus, you're the head of the church. You are the one we look to. So right now in this moment, we receive your body, symbolized by this bread and cracker. Thank you for what you did for us on that cross. You may take it in Jesus' name. as your blood was shed, it symbolizes in this juice that you forgive us of our sins. You wash over us. Father, we confess we need your grace today. So wash over us now as we receive the juice in Jesus' name. Father, I believe that your spirit is moving. And so as we worship you, as we come to pray we ask that, Spirit, you would fill us in new ways. We are yours, and you are the center of your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship him. Let's praise him. If you need prayer, we're up here and available. Nothing in this 
reminder, what a moment, when we remember that what Jesus has done for us, what he calls us to, amen? Some of you are on the struggle bus right now, right? We're worshiping, I just feel like I need to pray for those of you that are willing to admit that submission is a struggle right now. It might be between you and the Lord might be between you and a brother and sister, might be between you and a spouse. But if that's you, let's close our eyes and you can just put your hand up and I want to pray over you right now. Father, there are a number of hands up. I can't even see all of them, but you can. And God, I have mine up because I too struggle to submit to your will, to submit to others in the ways that you ask. And Father, I just pray for those with their hand up, that Lord, you would be there to encourage them that they can trust you. That when we submit to you and to you and another, that you have our good in mind. Father, I pray for breakthroughs in our relationship with you and our relationship with others. I pray for breakthroughs in homes and marriages. I pray for the next generation to hear and to see something that that is being redeemed and to understand what it could look like. That we do need order and alignment to have harmony and unity. And so, Father, we thank you for a new freedom today to follow you. I pray for each and every person, whether their hand was up or not, that as we go today, that we would love you and love all people in our pathway. Thank you for the great ways you're moving across this campus with the school and with the church. May we be a blessing and a healthy family that blesses Vero and beyond. We'll give you all the glory because Jesus, you are the center. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, if you still would like somebody to pray over with you online, our host is there for you, and here you can stay and come forward. If you're a visitor and you're here on site, come to our Welcome Center. We have a gift for you. The rest of you, go check out the cafe and get connected. Go now and be the church.